Help I Got a Mac podcast episode number 45. Hello, everybody, and welcome back to another episode of Help I Got a Mac. My name is Cliff Ravenscraft, and today we are going to be doing a very special episode, a special co-host edition, and I want to welcome on board, just for today's special episode, filling in for uh, Chris Biting Shoes. And by the way, his shoes are so huge that it takes three individuals to fill them. So uh, I'm going to announce three individuals right now. First off, we're going to welcome somebody new uh, and somebody I have not had the privilege of talking uh, to before. But Corell, welcome to the show. Hi, thanks. I'm glad to be here. Well, we're glad to have you. Uh, and now we're going to have you introduce yourself as far as your your connection to the Mac and your experience with the Mac in just a moment. But before we do, we want to introduce two other people that are probably somewhat familiar. If you've been listening to gspn.tv podcasting for very long, you've either heard our good friend Wayne Henderson from waynelhenderson.com and Wayne's take on Lost and Wayne's take on Fringe and <laughs> when Wayne takes over the world and Wayne's world. <laughs> Wayne, how are you doing, man? Uh, party on, Cliff. I'm doing pretty good. Party on. And so, and then, of course, none other than the world-famous, world-renowned chef in the podcasting world, Chef Mark Tafoya. Wait, someone famous is going to be here? Is Gordon Ramsay going to be on the show? I love Gordon Ramsay. <laughs> <laughs> I, would so, I would so dig a full-time Gordon Ramsay video podcast of just you know four letter words through the whole thing oh it could just be beep 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 (laughs) please no no this is help i got a mac yes it is not help i got a yes exactly so i want to go ahead and just start off the discussion just uh to let people know what our experience level is here because this podcast of course is devoted to the new mac user or the new mac switcher or somebody who's on the fence about whether or not they might possibly purchase their first macintosh operating uh computer and Everybody that's listened to this for any amount of time, they know exactly where I am and that I've owned a MacBook now for just over a year. And and I've had my ups and downs with the way I feel about Apple as a company. And it's pretty much down in the dumps right now. And I'm looking for some people to help me, you know, dig Apple out of the rubble. But uh, um, I do want to just ask you guys if you wouldn't mind explaining your experience level you know, where, where are you in the Mac world? How did you get sucked into it? Uh, what's your experience level? And uh, we'll start with Corel. All right. Um, I bought my first Mac about four years ago when I decided that my Windows machine just had to go out the window. And uh, my background is in computer science. So I've always been a programmer. I've always been fascinated with computers. And I so fell in love with my Mac that I went to the local Apple store and said, I want a job. Um, So I did work for two years as a Mac specialist at the local Apple store. Uh, As such, um, most of my experience is in helping 
new new Apple users, new computer users, uh, answering questions for people who are interested in switching. Also, wow. have done a lot of. No, I wasn't a genius, but I always felt. I always enjoyed the challenge of trying to solve someone's problem so they wouldn't have to go to the genius bar. So you were just so really, really smart. I'm sorry? Instead of a genius, you were just really smart. <laughs> well, I'm clever. I like to figure things out. <laughs> she, and, uh, she was an Apple clever person. I was a clever person. <laughs> <laughs> nice. So that was a lot of fun. That ended a few months ago because of some health problems. But um, I'm, I'm still very, very passionate about, about the Mac, about Apple products. They just they make the best stuff out there. Very cool. Well, I'm glad to have you on board. And I know that there are some questions in here that probably you'll be able to answer that, you know, are somewhat still a little bit foreign to me. Let's move on to Wayne. Wayne, can you tell us about your experience? How long have you been sucked into the Apple world? And uh, tell us a little bit about your experience level at this point in time. Okay, I can do that for you. And it's nowhere near Carell's level. (laughs) Uh, I've never worked for Apple. Um, basically, I got into uh, Apple and Mac computers about three years ago when I first decided uh, to get into podcasting and was just doing some research and scouring the net. And basically, everybody said, this is the way to go. And I was kind of fed up with my Windows computer at the time anyway. And at my regular job, there was two or three Mac geeks that had been hammering me for years. And finally I said, okay, this new PowerBook looks really cool. So I started off with a PowerBook G4. I'm still on that as we speak, even though I now have an iMac for the family to use. And uh, just been using it for three years and uh, just playing around. Very cool. And Chef Mark, how about you? How did you get sucked into the Mac world? Because of you. (laughs) Is it because of me? (laughs) (laughs) <laughs> uh, no, no, but although it was it was very useful that I was listening to help I got a Mac before I came back to the fold because I had been a Mac user in college uh, back in the day, actually since since high school. I, I, I used to use a, an Apple IIc um, in high school. I was the I was the editor of the yearbook, and that was we actually used an Apple IIc to do a lot of the word processing uh, to to put together the yearbook. Obviously, we didn't use Quark or any of that to lay it out at that time. Uh, but I was using Apple's back then, and then of course in in college, the very first incarnation of the Mac uh, we used in college. But then after that, you know, I ended up being a PC user, um, and I was a PC user for oh so many years. And um, this, I guess, it was February that we switched over, um, and I got a MacBook Pro. And the reason that we switched over to um, to using uh, the Mac for all of our company work was because we're doing a lot more HD video. Um, and so obviously my, my pre-existing setup with the, with the PC and the laptop just wasn't cutting it. I mean, I thought, you know, Premiere Elements was a great program. It is, it is a wonderful, I would recommend to anyone who is using PC to use that for video editing. But unfortunately that, that, that actual laptop didn't have enough power to do HD video, so we said, you know, we're just going to switch over to Apple and uh, and use Final Cut uh, Studio. Um, and now that's, you know, I use it every day. I use Final Cut Studio. I use Motion to create motion graphics. I use um, I use Compressor to output my videos. I mean, we're really, you know, going full full guns on the uh, on the Apple software. 
Very cool. I'm, I'm very, I'm very excited to hear about some of the experiences that you've had. And of course, you said that one of the reasons why you're, you found it quite limiting on the PC side is because maybe the laptop that you had it just didn't have the power necessary. The power. Exactly. So, yeah, the hardware didn't have enough power without you know doing a bunch of upgrades or buying a new computer. So I, I figured if I'm going to buy a new computer, I may as well just buy a Mac. And so we went for uh, I went for the you know as as powerful a MacBook Pro as I could, uh, and it's been wonderful. I'd My only issue right now is RAM, and I need to get more RAM. So I'd, I'd like to ask you a question, and tell me if if I'm assuming correctly that that um, the cost you you really could have gotten a desktop computer. Probably for you know maybe almost half, if not uh, two thirds of what you paid for the the MacBook, and you could have uh, saved the cost of purchasing the Final Cut Studio and gotten a lot of the speed and power that you were looking for. Is there is there a reason why you feel like it was still a good purchasing decision to go ahead and not only pay the extra premium uh, for the hardware that that comes with owning a Mac? But also the the cost of actually purchasing an entire new video suite, and not only that, but having to learn how to use it. Uh, well, yeah, I mean, absolutely. The the real reason, of course, is because we're using this for our business. I mean, this is this is really, you know, we're we're we have a production company called Adventures in Gastronomy, and we're we're doing this full time. You know, we've been doing full time uh, new media for well, I mean, I've been doing it for the last. What almost three years, uh, but our company we decided to launch into into producing HD video in the last year, and so we've really been uh, going full guns on that. And there's there's my assistant is in the background. Yes, uh, I hear your assistant <laughs> in the background ready to. So that's Steva. Yeah. So yeah. So for us, the the investment was well worth it um, because you know it's we figure we were you know this is this is our business. We really need to have the best the best hardware. Uh, and of course, the software available with uh, Final Cut Studio was just really wonderful. Now, do you find the Final Cut software suite to have hands down far superior quality and, and options available to you over what you were using with Premiere? Well, I mean, I was only using Premiere Elements, okay. and uh, I, I, I am a, a big fan of Premiere. I think it's a good it's a good software. Um, it really works well. It's wonderful. I think it's great. I'm not going to say bad things about Premiere. Um, <laughs> It's just that for given what we wanted to do, we thought it was the easiest solution. And uh, and Final Cut Studio has in the in, in the package, it has everything that we needed. Um, and I figured better for me to 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 sort of you know climb that learning curve than to uh, keep cobbling together you know Frankensteining together a solution with many different uh, pieces of software. I just wanted one suite that was going to be able to give me everything that I needed to do and better for me to learn over time how to use the full power of it than to be limited. Gotcha. Now, just if anybody's listening to this and you're maybe considering the possibility of doing a video podcast and and you're thinking about the switch and stuff like that, just just remember that this stuff is not inexpensive. Uh, And one of the things I'll just caution you, if you are looking at getting into video production, do not, whatever you do, do not purchase a MacBook for your video editing. Uh, in fact, if you look at the uh, the software requirements uh, or the hardware requirements on Final Cut uh, Pro, you'll notice that it says that it will not run on a computer that has a built-in graphics chip. So, and that's exactly what is on the MacBooks. But if you get MacBook Pro or if you get like an iMac, 
uh, something like that, you're going to be completely fine. But but for video editing, you'll want to stay away from the Mac Mini and you'll want to stay away from the MacBook. Well, well, especially if you're doing if you're doing HD video editing. Now, I as far as I know, I think it is quite possible to use the MacBook for standard definition video editing. Correct? It's it it says quite clearly on the the requirements. It it's it's it states this will not work on Apple uh, computers with an Intel based graphics chip. Right, Final Cut Studio won't. But however, you can use iMovie. On yeah, MacBook. yeah, yeah. I iMovie's fine. I'm talking Final Cut. Right. So yes. well, I guess what I'm trying to say is if you're interested in, in starting a video podcast and, and you've already got a MacBook, you can get your feet wet by using iMovie and just learning a little bit about what it, the basics of production and then move yourself up. Yeah. That, um, and that's essentially what I had done, only I was using a Windows machine and Premiere Elements. Right. The, and the thing is, though, is is with every bit of video editing software that I've ever seen, everything is based upon these this timeline where you have a video timeline and then right underneath it you have the option of having a, another timeline where you can drag and drop other media properties such as right. pictures or another video and you also have the ability to bring an audio into that timeline and that's just not there with iMovie and and I must say I'm sadly uh, disappointed with with the the way that iMovie is on the Mac. Yeah, and I mean I'll agree with you there. I mean I certainly did not I decided I was absolutely going to buy Final Cut Studio, even though it's an expensive software, because I said I'm not going to mess with iMovie. I'm not. I know that it would be frustrating. I already was using Premiere Elements, which you know I had the familiarity with the standard timeline-based, um, uh, you know, editing uh, uh, interface. Um, so yeah, that's why we decided to just go ahead and go up. And uh, but at the same time, I'll tell people they don't necessarily need to buy Final Cut Studio. Um, you know, Final Cut Express really is a great piece of software and works really wonderfully. You just don't have the capability of motion graphics uh, like you do with with the Studio Suite, which has motion in it. You just need to become really close friends with somebody that does have that, and then beg and pester them to make something <laughs> for you. Yeah, but unfortunately, if you're if you start creating HD video, your machine is going to spend all its time rendering video. <laughs> I, every night I go to bed, and there's some piece of a project that's that spends it overnight rendering. <laughs> Absolutely, because oh it takes a long time to render. <laughs> Karel, let, let's move over to you for just a moment. Um, what are you doing these days on your on your Mac that you find so useful, um, and 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 what do you find yourself primarily using it for? Well, I'd have to say um, my primary usage is fairly boring. <laughs> I spend a lot of my time in iTunes because I'm I'm sort of addicted to podcasts. I've done a little um, GarageBand editing, and I'm ramping up to do a video project in Final Cut Pro. Um, I'm just barely getting started on that, so I've got a lot to learn to uh, you know while I'm going through the editing. All right, and in iTunes, are you, have you recently got the upgrade? To, I guess to iTunes eight. Yes, yes. And being addicted to podcasting, did you notice anything funny that happened to iTunes with the podcasting end of things, as far as the look and feel? Well, the um, the podcasting window they have a new view that um, it's it's beautiful. It's very attractive, but I find I can't use it because it doesn't <laughs> show me what I need to see. That, I want to see. That is awesome. Of, right. Okay, Chef I Mark. Always, what did you say, Chef Mark? 
I said you're talking about the addition of CoverFlow. Uh, no, it's, it's a different view. There, it looks a lot like um, the iPhone applications. They're they're little square icons for each podcast. But oh, I always right, yeah. go back to the to the text list because I want to see how my, I want to see the names of the episodes under each one. So, so basically, what and and I'm getting a lot of calls right now. A, 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 well, a lot of well calls actually they are turning into calls. They start out as emails, but a lot of people are saying, "Oh my gosh, Cliff, please help me! Something happened overnight. All of my GSPN Plus podcasts have completely disappeared. All that's there is the most recent one." And, oh um, no! Yeah, and they're like, "What's going on?" And what happened is their everybody's system is upgrading to iTunes eight. And as and when they do, when they click on the podcast, then it automatically is defaulting to this new view, and it's only showing them exactly. the the little cover, the little cover art icon for each podcast, and and they are not aware of how. If you double click it, it just plays the most recent episode of that podcast, and so yeah. what I'm finding it's like that the art for the most recent show only. So if you do episode artwork, it's going to look different from just your normal. Um, you know, the icon of the show. Exactly. And so it's really confusing people. And so basically what I found is it's just much easier if I just say, hey, if you have an opportunity, here's my phone number. Give me a call real quick. I'll walk you through it. And I just tell them, you know, click on on the little view. You'll see three different view options over there next to the search box. Choose the one on the left. It goes right back to what you're used to use seeing and it fixes it. And and so I should mention that those those three options are list, grid, or cover flow. Yes, um, yeah. and actually, cover flow is an interesting choice because it does kind of both. It sort of it shows you the the images up top, but then it still has your list underneath exactly. the traditional list. Yeah, and you know, after I first opened uh, iTunes eight and I saw that new view, you know how long it took me to quickly switch it to uh, back to the text. As long as About it took seven- you to figure out how to do it, you did it. <laughs> About seven exactly. seconds. <laughs> that, that, see, that's the but it bums. Sorry, it bums me out because the new view is so beautiful, but I just don't yeah, find it useful. useful. Well, especially because it's not it's not standardized. Most most people like half of your podcasts are going to have the little uh, icon, you know, the, the 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 plain icon because they haven't loaded show graphics. Well, and yeah, they haven't loaded show graphics or, but the th- the other thing is, is, is that the problem that, it, let's just assume everybody has show graphics. The issue that I have with them is that it is the typical way, one of the things that I do find frustrating about Apple is, is the fact that they do things that absolutely look gorgeous, but lack any functionality. Well, okay, that's, that's, that's true. A, it's a little strong statement. I understand. <laughs> that Apple is. does love their eye candy. They do. They they like to make beautiful graphics, and maybe they it's couldn't shiny. find a way to make it useful. Well, the thing is, is I I I love the concept. I love the concept of yeah. seeing the little grid uh, with all the little icons and seeing the little starburst up there with the number of new episodes. That's kind of neat. But how about yeah. how about incorporate that into the list view? Somehow. That'd be nice. Somehow. Or maybe a, a right click on the icon would show you all the episodes. Or something. Yeah, exactly. I mean, it, it is it is a very beautiful and attractive looking layout in iTunes. But like we all... I, but see, Cliff, though, here's the thing, though. That's not how Steve listens to his podcast. I, you know, I... <laughs> I know, I know. If only we could get Steve to listen to our podcasts. 
No doubt. Yeah. So, okay, Wayne, um, I'm not going to play your voice feedback that you left us this week since you're here. Uh, okay. I, I, I want you to give us your in-person uh, opinion on the I'm a PC commercials. <laughs> um, I know. I bet they looked really good on paper, and I know you've uh, raved about them, but I just think they're really boring. The only part I like about it is the fact that Bill Gates is in them, and it's great to see Bill trying to be funny and letting uh, his guard down and be more personable. But all of these other people, I assume they're supposed to mean something to me, but whether or not they do, it doesn't really tell me anything about Windows Vista or why I should buy one of these. other. I got the impression I was supposed to buy horse manure. It's not about <laughs> Windows Vista. It's about we're not, you know, we're not Max. <laughs> and, I, you know, I by the way, half of those people are famous and the rest of them are regular people, which is the whole idea. Right. I think of that's the concept. I don't. I, I think you're you're right, Wayne. It doesn't really work as well as they think it works. <laughs> I don't know, but uh, Carell has a pet peeve. Go ahead. I yeah, I have a pet peeve about those um, those ads because the Apple ads. I'm a Mac. I'm a PC. They're not intended to represent the people using the machines. If you pay attention, they're actually representing the machine. Right. You know, the the Mac and the PC and the Justin Hodgman, I just, sorry, John Hodgman, I just love. Yeah. He is so funny. He is. And he's, he's very endearing and well-meaning. Um, but to say that they're trying to put a stereotype on the people that use the PCs, I don't think that's yeah. accurate. I, I think it is accurate. Uh, and, and if you don't mind uh, me disagreeing. Uh, sure. And the reason why I think that it's accurate is because it, it's, it, what they're saying is that PCs are for business people. You know, PCs are boring. PCs aren't what you use at home. If you want to create a gorgeous looking home movie, then you need a Mac. Peace, leave the PC for the Excel spreadsheets, you know, and, and all that other stuff. That that That's boring business stuff. You want fun computing, you want a Mac. That's, and, and I think that, I think that what this ad is representing is like, wait a second. I'm I I use a PC and I do lots of fun things with my PC. No, no, I think she was saying she was talking about the original ads, the the Apple ads that have John Hodgman. And yeah, that's Justin. what I'm saying. Is is that no, I think that they were stereotyping. Are, but the characters that are in there represent the machine. Oh yeah. It, the 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 new Windows ad campaign. There, it's almost you know, it's like me think the lady doth protest too much. Right. You know, they're they're they're, they're yeah. acting like. Oh, exactly. they're accusing all Windows users as being boring, and no, they never did. They're they're talking about the machines. I and know they're talking about software, but but they're creating in the mind of people now that if they do continue on that ad, they're they will start to insinuate. It's like, wait, maybe they are saying that about me. See, that's <laughs> why they're so funny. And, See, that's why they're so funny because they're not really saying it about anyone. But I know. But, that's but why. Look, I, that's look, why I think it's brilliant. They you uh, line up a thousand Mac users and a thousand typical PC users, and I'm sorry, but you're going to see a difference. Yes, and I don't. And you, I don't say don't, that. I'm. I'm not an Apple fanboy. Believe me. But I, but come on, you're de- you're definitely going to see a difference in the users. You know what's going to be the best end result? I think from the I'm a PC commercials is once Apple gets a chance to think about them a while, the next I'm a Mac commercials are just going to be awesome. That I do agree with that. I am very much excited about what in the world is going to happen next. 
in now, Cliff, I, I didn't hear those about that. Last, the last Help I Got a Mac episode, but did you guys talk about the fact that it leaked that those uh, those Vista commercials were actually created on a Mac? Oh, did you yeah. talk about that? We didn't talk about it. I, I had heard rumors <laughs> of that, but I mean... It, they were probably created using Final Cut Studio. <laughs> well, the thing is, they were, they were created by of- ad agencies, and and if you want to do good video, where do you go? You go to the Mac. Ad Macs, right? Exactly. exactly. I just think that's the, it, that's one of those things that it's like, don't you think they should have thought of that, and they should have said, hey, let's definitely make these on a PC just in case someone finds out. Yeah, <laughs> I, oh, I really, I don't see really a problem with that, to be honest with you. It, it, it's the. I find it ironic. Do you? Yeah. It's incredibly it, ironic. It, <laughs> when Microsoft wants beautiful video done, they hire someone that's using a Mac. It kind of defeats their whole. See, I think. Send. I think they hire somebody that's doing creative work and has and has ingenuity and has a good a good bit of talent and those people happen to be using a Mac. Isn't that the whole point? Isn't the whole point that they're trying to say that their product is just as good and works just as well and all this, but but the irony being if they didn't even like if if even the people you're hiring to try to give that message across don't believe in it, well, it's kind of a cynical message, isn't it? Yeah, it, it does does seem odd and, and it I think it's kind of one of those things like, oh duh, we should have thought about that. It's it's a stupid, stupid PR move. It is just from a PR move. It's just dumb. Yeah, it, it's sorry. Somebody, somebody lost their job over that one. I'm sure. Yeah. Yeah. How long before we get the I'm a Linux? I'm I guarantee you that they're already on YouTube. <laughs> so yeah, although although the Linux actually works. Oh, I don't know about that. I, I think you have your s- same amount of issues. I get my beach ball of death. I get my blue screen of death. Uh, you know, I, I, what do they give you on a Linux? I'm sure they give you something. I mean, I don't know. I I've no never idea. used Linux myself, but I've heard lots of people <laughs> Listen, really I've never stable. used Linux myself. See, that's the thing. Who uses Linux? Uh, uh, okay. Apparently, it's very stable. Yeah. People who, who actually, people who have systems that are dedicated to one task tend to use Linux. Um, those of us who multi you know, use our computers for lots of different things, we use the standard operating system. You know, this is true. And in fact, a lot of uh, consumer electronics that require some process, heavy processing and, and actually need an operating system, a lot of that is Linux-based. Right, and that's the only task that it has. Right. And so uh, I, I'm wondering if it wouldn't be nice to go back to, like, DOS you know, because things were pretty solid back in the DOS days. Yeah, but they were so boring and didn't look pretty. Yeah. So you're you're saying that Linux can look pretty and and compute and, and be, be stable. stable and be very very stable and functional. Yeah. Gotcha. Gotcha. From what I've seen, I mean, again, I don't use it personally, but I've seen plenty of examples of it in use, and it seems to be pretty stable. Well, I'll tell you what. Um, of course, we are a show devoted to helping people uh, consider whether or not to purchase a Mac or uh, if somebody who's recently got a Mac, if they've got some questions to, to certainly ask them here. We try to see if we can help answer those. And we have somebody in the forum over at GSPN. Oh, you know what? Wait a second. Tommy's still on the line. <laughs> I think we have somebody still on the line. Tommy, are you still there? Sure am. <laughs> I forgot you were on hey, the Tommy. line. I had a feeling hey. you did. 
Tommy called in on the studio line, guys, a long time ago, back when we first started this show. And uh, he wanted to tell us something that, that showed up, something new in the App Store. Yeah, basically they came out with a uh, new, new review process uh, for the application. So if you're... If you have not actually purchased the app, then you cannot review it. So it's gotten, it's going to get rid of a lot of those, uh, you know, uh, this app is too expensive. Uh, basically, a lot of people judging an app before they've even checked it out. You know, I like that. I like that. That, that sounds yeah. good. Now, will, do you know if they have plans of clearing out the, the app, the reviews from people who didn't purchase the app? Uh, as far as I can tell, it looks like they're just going to let it weed itself out, but... Um, I'm not sure. They yep. did it very quietly. It just kind of slipped it in. Didn't tell anybody. The only reason I noticed is I, uh, I tried to comment on something that I hadn't purchased from that account, and uh, I had actually purchased to have it on my phone. But uh, when I went to comment, it, it brought, brought up a little window saying I needed to purchase or have downloaded the application. Gotcha. Uh, and then another cool change they did is instead of if you've ever noticed, uh, I know. If if you're anything like me, Cliff, you get on the App Store every other day at least and see what's out that's new, especially what's out that's new and, and free. Uh, but you'd see applications that you've seen from the very beginning popping up just because they were updated. Right. And they've done away with that also. So basically what you had were developers and programmers updating their application with very small bug fixes or nothing just so they'll get at the top of the list and look like a brand new app. Yeah, so so they show up at the top of the list. Exactly. Yeah, yeah. I could see people trying to game that. And, of course, that's always frustrating when you're sitting there and you're trying to keep all your apps up to date and then all of a sudden you get that little red little circle that says, oh, you got three more apps to update. And it's like, come on. Exactly. And, you know, when are they going to fix the thing where it messes up all the order of your icons? Come on, well, people. They fixed that. Did they? Yeah. Oh, see, okay. Well, there you go. I'm just late to the party. I haven't updated my apps lately because of that. <laughs> I know it's such a hassle, but I found out by accident that it last week. It I updated 14 apps and nothing moved. It was beautiful. Nice. And the new I, I ones think just it got was the, to a new page. Yeah. Okay. I think it was the 2.0 software on the iPhone that fixed that. 2.1. Was it 2.1? Yeah, it didn't okay. happen for 2.0 because I did it. I, I did the upgrade and still didn't, didn't see it. So that's great. So maybe now I'll go update some of those apps. All right. Hey, Tommy, before you before you go, I want to ask you if you don't mind. Um, are you a PC or a Mac user? I know you obviously you have an iPhone, but are you a yeah. PC or a Mac user? Uh, we have, we own a, a family business that does graphic design and printing. Uh, so we actually have uh, five. Uh, 20 inch, and I think we got a 24 inch also, uh, iMac, and then I do have one single PC in the shop. Why do you keep a PC if I don't? If I can ask, uh, basically, it was a really? we needed we needed a station because there's one particular program to search products that we use that only works on PC, although it would work on a PC Mac, but we didn't need. Basically, we didn't need to go spend the money on a, on a Mac. We just needed something to surf the web and to be able to access this program. So, you know, spending $600 instead of 2000 was was right up our alley. So all of the iMacs that you have currently, they're all still running PowerPC. Is that what you're telling me? Yes. Gotcha. But if you had an Intel Mac, you would probably just uh, forgo buying the PC and, and go ahead and get something like Parallels or something. 
And I have to tell you that is going to happen as soon as possible because I've, I've always been, <clears throat> I've always uh, leaned towards the Max, I guess, or the, you know any Apple products ever since high school. Um, I've, I've always used both and been able to use both, and I do like certain things about PCs. But, you know, what's the point when you can buy a Mac and, and do everything that you can on a PC? Yeah. So, uh, the, the cost was an issue with us, but I have since learned that you get what you pay for. And uh, when I bought my PC, it came with Vista. So you can imagine the nightmares I've had with it. Absolutely. But uh, other than that, you know, the PC running on Parallels and Boot Camp, I, I love it. Very cool. Well, you're welcome to stay on the line with us if you'd like, uh, Tommy. Or if you have to go, I completely understand. Uh, but but let's see here. I want to move in a different direction here. I do want to ask some questions. And, and Carell, given your experience in helping people who are new Mac users, here's a question for Uh-oh. you that I found in the forum that you may be able to answer. And if not, don't okay. w- don't worry. We're, we don't cl- claim to be experts here in the Mac uh, field. But uh, even if you're just very clever, I think you might be able to get this one. <laughs> <laughs> let's see here. I know you guys have been wanting questions. So here's one that's been bugging me, says somebody by the name of January with an I in the forum. They say, on my PC, if I'm typing and I hit the home button, it goes to the beginning of the line that I'm writing on. If I hit end, it goes to the end of the line that I'm writing on. However, on my Mac, if I hit home, it takes me to the top of the page, and if I hit end, it takes me to the bottom. How do I make my home and end button function like it would on my PC? Cliff, you are psychic. Okay. Because I read that same question, and and it's actually a question that someone had asked me before, my boyfriend had asked me before, and I never really got around to figuring it out. Um, so I searched through Apple Help, and it didn't tell me anything. <laughs> so I just opened up a text file and started playing around to see, um, you know, what would do what, and... Unfortunately, I don't have a full-size keyboard, so I'm not exactly sure how this would translate. Yeah. But on a on a notebook keyboard to go to what she's saying is to if you do function home, it jumps to the beginning of the document. Uh-huh. If you do control home, it goes to the beginning of the line. Gotcha. And control end goes to the end of the line. There you go. And one of the, of course, along with that, and this person didn't ask this question, but I, I can certainly remember uh, the the big old delete key, which is normally what I would consider to be a backspace key uh, on any other computer that I had ever used. Uh, the delete key um, on any other computer, when on a on a regular keyboard on a PC, when you hit delete, it would uh, erase the things in front of the cursor. And, of course, being that the delete key on the MacBook is a backspace key, of course, it it backs everything behind the cursor. It deletes everything behind the cursor. And the way to fix that is to use the function button. And it will then, and the way I remind myself is that if you use the function button uh, when you use the delete key on the MacBook, then it will function like a PC's delete key. (laughs) You have a cute little mnemonic device. Exactly. See? (laughs) So mnemonics are a good thing. They they are, and 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 that's a good word of uh, you know there. And of course, there are a bunch of things that you know, like for example, um, when you first move over to the Mac and you're trying to look for um, 
your control C, control V, and control X for cut, copy, and paste, and control yeah. A uh, for select all. That's easy enough. Yeah, those. Just- Lose control, take command. Exactly. Lose control and take command. Oh, that's very clever. There you go. I, I didn't come up with that one. <laughs> oh. <laughs> So anyway, um, anybody who's having issues with with w- getting these buttons to function maybe the way you think they should, always play around and just tr- in a text document or somewhere else uh, where it's safe and you're not going to mess up your data. Just play around with the variations of using the function, control, alt, and command keys. Yeah, um, the, uh, the option one sometimes plays in. Like with the operating system, there's a few functions where normally you would, like for example with the trash, if you're trying to delete a huge number of files or, or files that are really large, sometimes it says you have to press the option button along with the um, you know, uh, clicking for the trash in order to empty it. Yes. Have you ever experienced that? Mm-mm. I have no, I sometimes have, if you're trying to delete a bunch of files at once, it'll tell you that. And sometimes I delete, you know, huge amounts of files because I transfer I transfer video files from one hard drive to the other, and then you know I want to delete the ones from the original, and uh, they're very huge files. And sometimes it says you know you're required to either sign in or to use the option button uh, and hold it down while you're uh, putting it in the trash. That's no, I haven't. I have not run into that. I think that's a way to, to you know preserve accidentally deleting huge amounts of data. Yeah, that's that's pretty cool. Unless you know, of course, if you're doing that consistently, I would love to have the ability to turn something like that off as well. Yeah, yeah. I've, I've got a handy little tip for um, dialogue boxes. Since you were talking about mnemonics a minute ago, sure. When a dialogue box comes up and it might have one button that's completely blue and one that is just has the blue circle around it. Uh-huh. The one that's completely blue, you press the return key to select that. Everybody knows that one. Mm-hmm. The one that has the blue circle around it and has white space in between, you press the space party to get that button. Oh, that's interesting. And now what's and the what pneumatic? Is the distinction? Oh, I'm sorry. I'm sorry? What, what's the mnemonic for that one? Just that, that there's space inside the blue circle, so you use the space bar. Ah, nice. But now, what is the distinction between the two, like, in terms of what it means? That, um, is it just happened to do with the program itself, and they, they chose that convention? It's Well, it's pretty standard throughout the Mac OS. Um, but, like, the, the one that you use the return to select is always your default but this is kind of a way of giving you two easy defaults. That you oh, can I get see. So, that's, so the either. other option, the other option is the other is that one is the space. Right. So if, right. It, if it gives you two options, one is return and the other is space. Right. Very yeah, cool. Got it. That's very useful information. Yeah. All right. No idea. Very cool. So um, I have a, uh, let's see here, another forum question. This one comes from Winnie, uh, and she goes by Neff Rothwin in our forum. She says, I finally got my iPhone 3G last Thursday. Yay. And I've been having tons of fun with it. And uh, if I'm not mistaken, she is in, uh, where's, where is Winnie at? She's in Belgium. 
So uh, I guess Belgium has their iPhones now. Uh, anyway, a couple questions she still has. Um, one of them, though, is, is there any way to get delivery notifications when SMS message is delivered? I don't want to send four or five messages when uh, when the other's phone is turned off. Uh, okay, so basically she wants to know, is there any way to be notified once somebody else gets an SMS message that she sends? I'm not aware is- of anything like that at all. Are you guys? I've as never far as I know, option. there's no way to do that. Yeah, that I I, I don't believe that that's available. That that's a neat feature request of, although at, at twenty cents a message, uh, that but could. See, that's less. I think that's less uh, a function of the operating system or the hardware than it is simply of the network. Yes, and you know, being able to deliver a message or make a phone call go through. Yeah. Um, you know, if the network is clogged, you're going to have trouble. That, no matter what. That's correct. One of the things I do like about SMS messages, though, um, is that, you know, if your phone happens to be turned off or you happen to be in a bad area where there's no con- uh, network, when you come in, those things do typically get delivered, which is kind of cool. I, I'd yeah, le- Have you guys found anything opposite other than that, 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 you know, when you come back in? I know we go into airplane mode when we're recording a lot of podcasts and and if you have Twitter setting you, sending you notifications, as soon as you turn it back on, the floodgate of SMS notifications <laughs> comes in. Yeah, well, I don't, I, don't use, I don't use it for Twitter, but I do, you know, obviously living in New York City, I go in and out of the subway a lot. And so when I come out of the subway, sometimes I'll get those SMS messages that yeah. have been built up. So, of course, I get a little ding when, you know, no, letting me know that there's a bunch of new, of new emails as well. Yes. So, so Winnie, t- t- to answer your question, um, no, there's no return receipt uh, ability on SMS messaging. However, you can almost rest assured that if you do send the message and, and the person you're sending it to, uh, their phone happens to be turned off, just know that when they turn it on, it should deliver it to them once, once, they, once they have a connection to the network. So hopefully that'll help you out a little bit. The other question she says, is there a way to do custom ringtones for SMS messages? Um, and I don't think there, well, I know there's not right now, but I've heard about some possibility of some of those things coming um, around the bend once these push notifications come out. Have you guys heard anything about that? Not yet, but no, that, but that would be very, very cool. cool. Yeah, and it seems as though it would be rather relatively easy to do because you know it knows what if you, if the number is in your address book and you've assigned that person with a ringtone, then I'm assuming that it, it shouldn't be too difficult to do. Yeah. And now, now doing a separate ringtone for their SMS and their phone call might be difficult because it's tied to the entry in your contact list. Yeah, I I think that I I well the thing is of course one's one's a ringtone. One triggers a an audio file that is the ringtone, and one triggers an audio file that is the notification tone. And I don't think that it's any problem at all, other than a, a good deal of coding, of course, in the software, to go in and, and basically you, you load up a contact, and inside there you can already assign them a custom picture, you can assign them a custom ringtone, and it would be nothing fancy at all to go ahead and assign them a custom SMS tone. It's, it's yeah, definitely doable. Whether or not software. you can have two separate ones is the question. Two separate ones for the same contact? Yeah. 
No, no, I, I don't think... one tone for the phone call and one tone for the right. text yeah, message I, I think, Yeah, I don't think it. I mean, programming that should should not be an issue at all. It's just taking the time to program it. But yeah, you you can because I mean, you already have two different tones. Like Mark, right now, if you send yeah. me a text message, it, it it goes ding, which is my default SMS. But if you call me, it does your remarkably Mark uh, uh, ringtone that you sent <laughs> me over from your podcast. Oh, and so, um, and so, except yeah, that, except that you're going to have the same exact ringtone for the SMS notes for everyone that sends you an SMS. That's no, what I'm talking about. No, what I'm saying is that that's the way it's set up now. Yeah, that's what we're, we're saying. We're looking at, we're looking at, you know, hoping that they'll be able to do custom ringtones for the SMS. That, I thought we were talking no, about. I, I agree. No, I agree. I think that would be great. I just, I just don't know if, if it's, it, you know, sometimes the way that they built the architecture is such that it won't allow for that at a certain point because it's simply, they, they built it too many layers deep into the, the operating system. You know, yeah. if it's on the first le- level that they can sometimes just write a script for it. But if it's if it's actually embedded within the the core of the operating system, those are a lot lot bigger changes that they would have to implement. Yeah. Well, regardless, it's something I think that there's a lot of interest for, which I've come to learn as an Apple user means absolutely nothing. Right. Exactly. <laughs> if Steve wants to distinguish between his SMS messages, then it will happen. Exactly. So, you know, that if anything, I, you, you guys will just hear me over and over again be extremely frustrated to no end at how little this company cares about what the mass majority of what their users want. I mean, it just is unfathomable. Yeah, but see, like every cult, that's that's what that's how cults are built, um, essentially. It, <laughs> yeah, but I'm not I buying you know, into a cult. In, I don't. Hold on. I don't mean that in a negative sense, but well, you know, like it or not. The majority of, of the way that Apple has done its business and built its its base is the same kind of mentality as you know as that kind of you know uh, devotion. So what they've done is they've cultivated people to be devoted to Apple, as opposed to saying we we're cultivating our business based on responding to the needs of our users and and adapting to that. So the the fact is the majority of people will just accept what Apple does as the way it, it should be done. Um, and I mean, quite often you've heard, you've heard language like that in explanation for why they don't do the things that, that you've asked for. Uh, the problem is you're not a true believer. So you're, of course you're going to question them. And I, that's why I say, that's why I say that the cult uh, aspect is really quite fitting because in a cult, true believers don't question and the people who question are true believers. Yeah, I, I see that. And, and it's really odd to say the very least and extremely frustrating to me as a non-believer of Apple. Well, that's um, that's true for a segment, but I like to think that um, that I look at the products objectively and can tell the difference between what I like and where something's missing. I mean, I love my iPhone, but yes, I very much wish it had cut and paste on it. Mm-hmm. Um, Amen. Right. The- the problem, though, isn't in you as the user. The problem is whether or not the company chooses to respond to the users by, right. by providing that which they're asking for or whether they choose to stick to what they think is the right way. I mean, um, they're, surely they, a lot of their things are more elegant, but elegant isn't always the name of the game for most users. Most users want functionality over elegance, even though elegance really is a great, it's a great thing to have, and it's, it's wonderful in their design. 
but quite frankly, on the ground, day to day, people want functionality over elegance. And where Apple really, um, where they're where they have the best products is where they've managed to put in elegance and functionality. And I'm not saying that they do that a hundred percent of the time, but personally, I believe they get there more often than other computer companies. I, I will say, yeah. with as much as as much heat and and and. Um, stuff I throw on criticism. Apple criticism. Thank you. With as much criticism as I give to Apple, um, I will say the iPhone is by far the, the, the single, but single most best PDA and tele cell phone I've ever used in my entire life. Now with have, that being have you used the N95 yet though. No, I haven't. N95 I, is amazing. Yeah. But the thing I is, a chance to play with one. did you? Yeah. Yeah. Pistachio was in town and I got to play with her N95. But the, and that's not oh, naughty. Don't take it that way. Tommy, you're... you're <laughs> <laughs> yeah. Tommy. I read some stuff about the uh, Google Android today, and it compared it to the iPhone, and basically, uh, you know, side-by-side comparison. Mm-hmm. And that's the thing, is there's, there's just nothing that compares to the iPhone, and I don't think we're going to have anything that's... Nothing that I've seen, you know, with what Mark just mentioned. I'd, I've yet to check that out, but... Uh, I think we will see things that come yeah. out that, that will eventually. We need better competition, honestly. We do. There's we no need question. Somebody out there to, to make Apple do, do copy and paste because there's somebody else out there with a better phone that does everything Apple, you know, everything the iPhone does plus the things that it doesn't. Right. And that's when we're going to see some results and that's when we're going to get what we really want. Yeah, so I think that's the that's the core of the Steve Jobs problem is that until someone comes along to compete with what he has to offer, it's going to be what Steve wants. But is Bill Gates any different or Microsoft? I mean, I'm I'm kind of ignorant in this um, aspect, but I mean, does, they are they are very different in that way. Microsoft always creates stuff that people need, and they'll create they'll create ten ways of doing it. Apple will <laughs> say there's one proper way to do it, and they'll try to get you to believe it. I, I would agree with that assessment. Now, in the chat room, uh, we have somebody that's going by the an anonymous. They haven't checked in a name yet. But anyway, uh, number 5675 says quick, uh, which, of course, is in a reference to the ability to be able to do streaming video on those, um, what did you say, Nokia what? N95? 95. The N95. And a couple other models of Nokia. But, yeah, basically the Nokia N95. And uh, have you been playing around with it, Cliff, on your – Jailbroken phone. I had well. By the by, the way, um, last week's episode was titled "Gonna Jailbreak My Phone," and I was the proud owner of a jailbroken 3G iPhone for uh, nearly a week, and it is not currently jailbroken. I'll explain why in just a moment. But uh, I I did install Quick, and I, honestly, it it wasn't the functionality on the iPhone as much as it was Quick. I just it di- it didn't fascinate me the way that I thought it would. It 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 seemed a little uh, lacking in some of the features, and so you know I. Well, I th- but you gotta you gotta keep in mind you're talking about live streaming over the internet. Of course, it's not going to be brilliant yet, but just the fact that you're able to live stream over the internet, yeah. is pretty. Am- well, the, the pro- some of the problems is I mean, even though I had a three G connection, it buffered, so I was. I was recording, so it, it technically wasn't for on, on Wi-Fi. You're right; it is live streaming, 
Uh, however, I, I did a 35 minute video stream and I asked, you know, I noticed some people in the chat, you know, had come to the live stream and they were in, you know, in there chatting, which I think it's cool that they are able to chat um, with you and you and you can see what they're chatting while you're streaming live. The real issue I had, though, is I had a 3G connection and for some reason it was like 17 minutes behind buffered. And so it, it was it didn't actually cut out the people who were watching it were watching it. As, as though it was live, but it was it was buffered. It was seriously buffered. And so when I hit stop, it took like an additional four and a half, five minutes for it to finish uploading the rest of the stuff that it had recorded. Oh, man. And it, part of the problem oh, wow. is that you were is that, that was a very but see, that's a very long, unusual length. I mean, most quick files are a few minutes at a, at a time. Yeah, but if, uh, uh, you, you can't be expected to stream like an hour long thing straight through without any kind of buffering happening. Yeah, it, it, I, I think there's a future the technology just there yet. That's yeah, all. that's it. it. The technology isn't there yet, but I think it's going to be. And I found it interesting, but it wasn't enough to stay jailbroken for for me. And, and here's the thing. I jailbroke my phone. Uh, it was a little the the this program called Quick Pwn was a little bit uh, odd in it's telling you what buttons you have to push and and what buttons you need to let go of at the right time and stuff like that at first. Um, finally, I got it to work, and I'll tell you, the very first time it asked me if I wanted to uh, replace the Apple logo with the new boot-up logo for this quick phone, and I just chose yes because it was default, and I went to re... When it actually finished installing all the new firmware and all that stuff, uh, it just never came back to life. It, it, it completely just mm. stayed for about an hour and a half on this this boot screen, and finally, I I went in and I hooked it back up to the QuickPone software and I tried to get it to work and finally was able to get it to to do through a reset and have it recognize the phone again and and was able to reinstall um, the the QuickPone software. And when I told it to not do the exchange of the boat up uh, icon and stuff like that, then it finally worked. Jailbroken worked great. Uh, I got this thing called Cedia, which is the jailbroken uh, version of the App Store, and uh, it Very was. Seedy. What's that? That's pretty seedy. Yeah. So <laughs> anyway, uh, it, it worked nice. In fact, it was you know I was still able to download jailbroken applications. In fact, GSPN.TV, the application that I had created and rejected by Apple. Uh, um, <laughs> It is now available as the, they're only one of three, there are only three applications in the jailbroken community under the category of entertainment. GSPN.TV's application is there, which is pretty cool. The problem cool. is there's only three people jailbroken. <laughs> <laughs> I think there are a lot more, but the fact is, is that it, it, I definitely don't have the same audience that I was hoping to pay for to reach in the, in the app store. But it, right. but the thing is, yeah. is what happened is they also have this other thing in there that that is set up to install programs called installer and from what i'm hearing from chris and some other people is that as soon as the app store became available anything that was out there in the jailbroken community that could possibly make it through the walled garden of apple's app store <laughs> that all of a sudden those all left and and so now you have a ton of stuff out there that's just broken doesn't work since the new up update 
And and that was kind of frustrating. And I went into installer.app and I installed a piece of software that I thought would be really cool and to customize some settings. And when I went to reset the phone, it wouldn't come back to life. So here I am with a dead iPhone. And the only thing I could do is to go in and, and to redo this quick phone thing. But instead of doing that, I decided to go ahead and when iTunes said, hey, you've got an iPhone in recovery mode, I suggest that you restore the software. Uh, I went ahead and did that. So I'm back, I'm back to a 2.1, a completely refreshed, renewed iPhone experience again. And uh, so I, I want to tell you, there, there, I want to give you guys some of my experience. Um, Bruce, definitely. Bruce Turner uh, is a listener, and he goes by River Bruce, and he was in the chat room last week. He, he gave me some of his favorite jailbroken iPhone applications. Uh, one of them was Pocket you're Touch. Gonna, you're going to tempt us, aren't you? You're, you're, the whole reason is to tempt us to, <laughs> to go to the dark side, isn't no, it? Not, not really, because he, you're, you're talking to somebody who's been there, and, and I, I'm back on this side of things without having immediately re-jailbroken it. Which I yeah, could, but see, you're all, you're into that whole redemption thing. So. Yeah, whatever. <laughs> so but you're one of the few people I've heard actually have problems with it too. So I have several friends that have jailbroken theirs, and they love it. The only problem I had was I I, I clicked on an application using installer.app. I, I I will tell you the the other the other reason I I decided not to go back to jailbroken right now is because it was sucking too much of my life. I was playing with everything. Uh, I mean, there is lots of fun stuff out there. There is, there is. In fact, let me just read to you some of the things that Bruce told us, told me about, and I checked out. Uh, Pocket Touch, which allows you to control your volume, play, and pause with gestures on the screen, kind of like an old iPod would. Uh, Intellascreen, which is reminds me of Windows Mobile. Uh, which is basically mm. when you first turn on the iPhone and you get the wallpaper to, to unlock it, it, it will automatically on that screen tell you what your upcoming appointments are on your calendar. It'll tell you uh, news items. It'll tell you how many emails you have, how many SMS messages. It'll tell you the oh, weather. Dude. Yes. All, that is so cool. It is awesome. <laughs> now, it is a, that is a paid-for app, by the way. I, I didn't check to see how much the price was. She's exactly. going to be jailbreaking in a second. <laughs> uh, so that's called IntelliScreen. Here, my favorite app was called the Five Icon Dock, and it allows you to place five applications in the dock on your homes on your springboard instead of four. So, so basically, it just it just pushes the other two, to, you know, two on each side hmm. to the side, and you can fit five icons there. It doesn't resize the icons. You just have five icons down in your button little launcher. Totally <laughs> on awesome. The very, on the very bottom, you mean, or on every screen? No, just on it, it's on the well. You know how the very bottom, the the launcher is on every screen. Right. So yeah, it, it's it's five but icons. But it doesn't. Doesn't expand instead of four by four, makes them five by five or anything. No, 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 no. It's just the launcher at the bottom. It's just the dock. So okay. you can, but but still, it, it was kind of nice because it's like I would like to be. There are some programs that no matter what screen I happen to be on, I always want to be able to push this button. And four options is just not enough. So a fifth one, believe it or not, it made a difference, and I really enjoyed it. Winter- this one goes to eleven. <laughs> exactly. <laughs> exactly. <laughs> It's one more. Uh, let's see here. Winterboard is this program that allows you to use dozens and t- 
tons of themes. Uh, I had this. Um, you know how you on if you, if you start the iPhone up, you have the apple, you have the background, which is your pretty wallpaper. But then you open right. it up and unlock it. You got the black background behind your icons. Well, you can you can change it to where you're. You have a wallpaper behind there. You, one of the things that I really enjoyed was you can actually change it to where it fades in different colors in and out in the background. You can have it play movies in the background. I mean, just really wild stuff you can do there. Um, That's a battery. Yeah, it, it yeah, is. Yeah, exactly. Yeah. <laughs> but but it's still some of the things are really fun. Um, one of the, the really themes are gorgeous. They are. They are really nice. Do you have a jailbroken phone? I I was jailbroken for a while at the beginning, and that was one of the things I, I really liked was that that winterboard because because you the with the themes you could have a background instead of basic black and some of the icons were just gorgeous yes being able to change the icons is is really cool um one of the really neat things is and it's little you know it's it's like wow why should i care but um you know the at&t carrier logo i they have this one with the with the globe with the little swirls in it and Mm -hmm. your your signal meter is the swirls so it, you know they're <laughs> filled in with blue as you go up to the top, and if it's halfway, then you you know you got a half signal. Just little things like that. Um, so that's kind of cool. You would think AT and T would pick that up. No doubt, except that it is kind of hard to. I mean, it's not cl- it's not as clear. It doesn't communicate to you the same thing as the bars. Right. So Just yeah. pretty, but it's it, but it is pretty. It's eye candy. It's really nice. Um, the other thing is, is that there's this little status thing that kind of like this little um, starburst looking thing that kind of rotates around clockwise. And you can replace that with a glowing, flashing uh, Apple indicator that lets you know that it's <laughs> thinking and doing something, which is kind of neat. Too bad oh, anytime you have a lightsaber anymore. Yeah. <laughs> so each time you have something glowing and flashing, you're in a good spot that's exactly right right. yes glowing and flashing is a good thing now here's the really cool (laughs) thing and this is my favorite thing out of all is that you have this ability to go in and um and and they have these certain themes that you can download that are just sounds and they replace the sound so it says sms message received mail (laughs) received sms message sent email voice what's that can you choose the, the voice? voice that they use? No, it uses Vicky from whatchamacallit. But I, one of the things I, I, I didn't find is I couldn't find an FTP client that would allow me to FTP in and out of my iPhone. I would love to be able to dig in and find out where those files are and then create my own, which I know is possible. It has to be possible. And so that would, to me, that would be awesome if I could dig in there, find out what file format they're using the, in audio, and then replace those with my own. That would be awesome. Yeah, now we would be talking if we could record some pretty good sounding audio on our iPhones and FTP it right up. <laughs> yep, yep. That would be very cool. And so uh, there, there's a lot of other fun things you can do with it. Um, those are just some of them. I had a blast with it. Um, there is one program out there, and I think it's called Psychorder. C-Y-C-O-D-E-R. It is everything that Quick should be, okay? Except for it's not live streaming. Here's here's the deal. Um, Quick uh, is, is pretty much, it, it kind of dials down the ability and the capture and the frame rate based upon your whatever your connection to the internet is. 
Um, Sidequarter is this amazing record video and audio recording software uh, for a jailbroken phone that I mean, it literally records similar quality video and audio as my port and point and shoot camera. And it does it really high quality and it creates it in quick time. And I mean, the file, you know, a, a 20 minute file is like 50 megs or whatever, which which you would expect. Uh, the only thing is. There is absolutely nothing in the software for you to email it to yourself or to upload it or to anything. And so that's why I was looking for an FTP client. And that's what actually, uh, that's where I started looking for some stuff in the installer.app directory. And that's when I crashed my iPhone. And that's when I said, you know what? I, <laughs> I have devoted too much of my life to cracking and playing and customizing my iPhone. I need to get back to real life. And for right now, I'm just going to restore my phone and be done with it. But it's You're so much fun. It is so much fun. <laughs> hallelujah, brother. <laughs> What's that, Tommy? I said hallelujah. I spend way too much time in the app store or playing with my phone. Or <laughs> yeah, it, I'm actually kind of glad I went through the experience because when I did restore my phone, I did a complete restore. I didn't restore from backup. I did a complete restore. And uh, one of the cool things, if you guys aren't aware of this, just like you can choose and pick playlists that you do or do not want to sync, and the same with podcasts, you can do that in the apps as well. You can go into the apps tab and choose to which applications you do or do not want to sync. That means you don't have to delete them and be done with them, but let's just say you just want to be done with them for a while. And I went in and I've been very picky. In fact, I've only got like two screens filled up on my, my iPhone right now. Uh, I, I just how do you, you how just, do you do that? You just uh, plug in your iPhone, and it'll pro- you probably got it set up to sync automatically. So wait till it's done, and then you have tabs for information. Uh, then you have a tab for music, and then you have tabs for for video, and you'll see a tab for applications. And it'll you'll see it, and then once you click on that, it'll say, "Do you want to sync all applications, which is by default, or selected applications?" And then you just put a check mark next to only the ones that you want to sync onto your iPhone. Yeah, I, oh, I, I do the same thing for one reason, and um, as a lot of times when I'm you know swimming through the App Store, I'll see something that's somewhat interesting or could be interesting somewhere down the road uh, for free. So I go ahead and buy it. They update it a month, two months later when it's, then it's actually an application I want, you know, something that's functioning, you know, functioning right, but doing what it says it's supposed to do. Right. Right. And, so why yeah, was a good idea? Or, or they start charging for it later. I found that I've, I've got at least five or six applications that they're charging six ninety nine or nine ninety nine for now that I bought free when they first came out. Right. Absolutely. That will also help with the time it takes to back up the iPhone when you sync it. Yeah, the, which hasn't you been... keep the installed apps to a minimum. Yeah, that's that's less that's of a problem. Improved, though. Yeah, they, that, that has been greatly improved. Well, I'll tell you what. I just want to say um, real quickly, I want to say thank you to you guys uh, for joining me and being uh, a part of the special co-hosting edition here. Um, I'm going to give you guys an opportunity to, to promote anything that you guys are a part of that you want to uh, uh, let people know about. Tommy, do you want to tell them about your printing business or anything or your website, your Twitter ID, gain a couple followers here? Uh, sure, why not? Um we, uh, I, I'm part of a family-owned and operated business in Fort Mitchell, Kentucky. We uh, sell pretty much anything you put ink on, whether it's T-shirts, mugs, uh, or letterhead and business cards. And uh, we've been in business for 26 years, and 
Uh, we're at 2491 Dixie Highway. If you want to get a hold of us, we're at 859-341-4774. And our website is Okay, oh, say, say the website one, address one more question, and then Mark has a question. It's just www.kleinprinting.com. Klein is K-L-E-I-N? You got it. All right, and Mark, what's your question for him? I was going to ask if they do tattoos. We actually <laughs> you said, do. Just, I do, do uh, just about I anything do you can put ink on. I do waterless, and I do uh, the kind that you just need water for. Only temporary, though. So. <laughs> <laughs> Very cool. Tommy, I you need... Fix me. I need to talk to you about possibility of some t-shirts down the road. Okay. All yeah. right. So uh, let's see here. Chef Mark, what do you want to promote? Uh, check out the Culinary Media Network, www.culinarymedianetwork.com. We're putting out a lot more videos. And in fact, uh, in the next week or so, we're going to start to put out some of the videos from our, tri- our recent trip to Williamsburg, Virginia, and some of the historical cooking that we got a chance to check out then. So uh, take a look. Awesome. And Wayne? Hi, Cliff. Um Basically, my uh, voiceover side of things that I'm getting ready to really kick into uh, high gear now that I've upgraded my studio with uh, some equipment I've purchased from the podcast answer man, uh, otherwise known as you. <laughs> <laughs> Thank you. Uh, and my vo- <laughs> You're welcome. My voiceover website at WayneLHenderson.com. And then my uh, main podcast right now is Wayne's Take on Fringe, uh, which you can, of course, find in iTunes or at Fringe dot libsyn.com and libsyn is l-i-b-s-y-n fringe.libsyn.com we'd love to have even more listeners and callers calling into the show very cool and Corel. all right um i don't have a public website up just yet <clears throat> but anyone who wants to email me questions i'm always glad to to field the geek questions my email is Corel the geek it's K-A-R-E-L-L dot T-H-E dot geek at gmail.com. You could also follow me on Twitter at mcorel. All righty. Thank you so much. And, folks, I do want to say that, of course, this podcast is made possible through the awesomeness of the gspn.tv plus members of course stephanie and myself uh my wife and i we do podcasting new media full-time to bring to you this show and about 18 others just like it uh talking about a variety of topics uh family faith life entertainment it's all there gspn.tv and uh we have a special going on right now for anybody who becomes a plus member a charter member in 2008 you get the first three months at half off there's details about that over at gspn.tv slash plus thanks for listening and thank you guys for joining us thank you very welcome